You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show with Natalie Cutler-Welsh. And today we're talking about holistic health. And our next topic is all about breathing. We're talking breathing for better health with my friend, Dina Siniza. Dina, welcome to the show. Hi, Nat. Thank you for having me. So, so good to have you here, Dina. Now, Dina is a Buteco practitioner with a special area of interest in anxiety and trauma. She's a mother of eight, so we're going to hear a little bit about that later. But for those of you that don't know Dina, Dina is a breathing coach and certified Buteco practitioner. She is the founder of The Breathe Clinic in Auckland, New Zealand, and she sees both online and in-person helping people to breathe better. She helps people with chronic hyperventilation, which usually manifests as asthma, hay fever, allergies, insomnia, snoring, sleep apnea, chronic fatigue, anxiety, and stress. She does this by taking her clients through the Buteco method of breathing, retraining, and helps bring back their day-to-day breathing, but bring it back on track, allowing them to breathe easier, sleep deeper, be calmer, and have more energy. Her mission and passion is to help people breathe their way to better health and peak performance. Dina, I'm so excited to dive into this because I think so many people don't realize how much breathing relates to everything. But hey, before we dive in, (laughs) how have the last three years been for you? Oh, very fascinating. Very interesting. Um, It's I had to pivot my my um, clinic services from purely in person to seeing people online as well. Um, it was a it was a tricky transition, but in the end, it worked because then now I'm able to see people um, outside of Auckland, even overseas. So it's sort of expanded my reach, um, which was quite interesting. Really, really good. I've had people coming in from. Georgia, um, Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. So that was very interesting. And yeah, and then um on and then for my husband, it was also very challenging. He he lost his job. Um the company wasn't requiring um any other vaccinations, but his clients, so the position was visiting hospitals, uh rest homes and you know other other health related clients and they were the ones requiring that anybody who went into their premises needed the vaccination but my husband had decided um due to his medical uh yeah his due to certain medical conditions that he felt like he was it was much better not to have it and so um it was a very difficult time for us to really consider you know is it is it where to go do does he take it does he not take it and what are the consequences and in the end um i supported him in his decision and so he lost his job he did full-time uber which just gave him two-thirds of his actual income um previous income so we we had to fully um rely i mean no not fully but that means the my clinic had to step up mm. to cover for for that. So it was it was a challenge, but very um, and an interesting time. But we survived. He's, he has a job now, and um, that's another story altogether. Really great people. They um, they reached out to me because I 
sort of ranted in one of the Facebook groups saying, because um, he had but, uh, he had offers, you know, job offers, only to be to be declined at the last stage when they find out that um, he has not received the vaccine. And, and so there were several of those. And so I ranted. And this couple, very kind couple, reached out to me saying, um, we've, we've read your post and uh, we might be able to help. So they own a company. And they've offered my husband a position in the company. And I think it's a win-win. I think he's helping out. They didn't have a sales, they didn't have a sales department as such. And, and so my husband has come in to help them um, in their business. So uh, it's it's heartwarming how mm-hmm. people step up and, and, and really want to help. And it's renewed my um, you know, uh my belief in humanity. <laughs> we love we love a good news story, and yeah. definitely shout out to your husband and also any of our other fellow listeners. I know many people have navigated that. Well, the the weighted decision of deciding about what to do with their health in terms of the the jab, but also um, seeking other employment only to be turned around at the last minute. You're not really a ranty type person, and and I do remember that post. Um, because sometimes in the last three years, it's it's kind of put us in a position to rise up or speak up louder than we normally would. And I love that those people swooped in and were able to yeah. help. People do love to help each other out. So that's a mm-hmm. good story. Thank you for sharing that. No um, let's talk a little bit about the breathing. I just want to open things up with why is it so important to breathe correctly? And what does correct breathing look like? <laughs> well, um, Breathing is something that we do every day, all the time. And if we, and a lot of people think that just because I, I'm still breathing, I haven't stopped breathing, that I'm doing it correctly. Unfortunately, um, over time, whether it's because of stress or illnesses or um, toxins in our body, our our breathing adjusts, our, our brain makes our breathing adjust to the kind of work our body needs to do in terms of recovering and detoxifying and things like that and if it's either intense or prolonged what it what what it can do is make a, it can peg our breathing habit to this this wrong kind of breathing so we in other words we develop poor breathing habits along the way and this is now our new normal we're still breathing but we're not breathing correctly we've acquired habits and and that can be over time we can acquire multiple poor breathing habits. And the farther we are from the right way of breathing, the the farther we are from health as well, because there will be an effect on your metabolism and your um, uh, blood chemistry and things like that. And and there will be a lot of consequences in terms of your health over time. It's something that's easy to miss because it it doesn't show immediately. So if I acquire poor breathing habit now, I won't get sick immediately. It'll be over time, five years, 10 years. By the time I'm feeling a symptom, then um, that means I've had it for a long time and it's gotten worse. Yeah. And I imagine people often would attribute whatever the, the illness is to something totally different when actually when you peel back the onion at the root of it is bad breathing. Yes, yes. And well, I'd say bad breathing would be one of the 
it could be the the initial cause, and then there will be other factors coming through um, that will make it worse and worse. Now, sometimes, um, I mean, there are times for sure that it's not the initial cause. Maybe you have something else, a different chronic illness, but breathing will always be, what I'd say is breathing will always be a piece of the puzzle. So if your health were a puzzle, you need to complete the puzzle to get into good health. You might need, need different things, like you might need um, a, a naturopath to help you with your you know, supplements and nutrition and things like that. You might need some osteopathic or chiropractic work to help your system, your frame get better. Definitely, I would say, Breathing would be another piece in that puzzle, especially if you have chronic illness. Now, the question is, how big a puzzle is this? Because, I mean, a piece is this, because this, this puzzle that you're completing has pieces that are not, you know how puzzles are usually the same sized pieces? Yeah. But this puzzle of your health, they will have pieces that are differing in sizes, because the more influence this particular area has on on the outcome, the bigger the piece. Sometimes the breathing piece is bigger because meaning that your condition is, a lot of it is based on the breathing. Sometimes it's a small piece, but still a piece, meaning if you don't address breathing, you will still have that small piece missing and you will. Um, it will take longer for you to get uh, to better health if you have that miss, missing piece, however small. Okay. So let's take a look at our breathing. Um, I imagine many listeners will be thinking, well, how do I know if my breathing is correct or not? I mean, the only types I know about is mouth breathing. And I've got two of those in my family and then <laughs> chest breathing, which is probably what I do. Can yeah. you explain, or how do we know, is there anything we can do sitting in our car or at home, whatever, wherever we're listening to understand if we're actually breathing correctly or not? Um, a lot of times you you'll be the last to know. Usually it's other people who will mm -hmm. notice things. Um, and, but also, it, these are things are quite subtle. I'll, I'll tell you, for example, in my case, I got into Boteco because I was very sick and I, I sought second opinion. I went to this GP. Very lucky that this GP was onto it. He knew, you know, all about breathing and hyperventilation. He said I was high, sighing 15 times in the 15 minutes I was with him. And I didn't know. I wasn't aware. So um, it could be that we're doing the wrong things, but we don't even know because it's become a habit. So one thing is, yes, mouth breathing. But a lot of people don't even realize their mouth breathing. They'll tell me, Dina, I'm not mouth breathing. But they take big breaths when they're talking. Or maybe they, um, when they start moving around or when they're concentrating, the mouth pops open. Or when they're asleep, the mouth pops open and they feel dryness in the throat when they wake up. They feel uh, dryness in the throat. They've got bad breath. Um, those are indications that you've had your mouth open. And of course, um, dribble, then you'll know. Um, upper chest breathing, yes. But again, you won't know unless somebody told you and not everyone realizes what it looks like. Um, any interruptions, uh, large breaths, big breaths, um, that is poor breathing. Any interruptions in your in, in a regular breathing pattern, meaning um, coughing, frequent coughing, uh, frequent sighing. What about um, breath holding, holding your breath? Breath holding, yes, breath holding. Um, uh, throat clearing. Sniffing, 
if these are frequent, yawning, I was yawning so much um, <laughs> early in the morning when you're not supposed to be tired. I was, yeah, bringing the kids to school and in the car, I would be yawning the whole way to school. Um, but yes, the, these are some things that can give you an indication that there is something going on in, in your breathing, some dysfunction going on. Okay, that is super helpful. And I imagine some people would be sitting there going, oh, goodness. Okay. You know, yesterday I was sitting in the car with somebody, uh, I won't say who, and I had brought them something to eat and uh-huh. they were eating. And so, and, you know, this is a mouth breather. And when a okay. mouth breather is eating, they obviously can't, you know, and it's so noisy. It's just the breathing yeah. that they're trying to do in between the eating. So that's definitely one. Mm. And one of the dangers there, which was happening to me, I, I don't think I was a, um, yeah, I'm sure I would be mouth breathing then, but not, not someone who mouth breathes a lot. At rest, I was mouth breathing. But you know what was happening to me was I choked a lot on my saliva or when eating um, watermelon, any juicy fruit. Okay. Because then your, 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 you cannot, your body is not able to time swallowing and breathing. And, you know, these are two different tubes where the air comes in and where the food goes in. And if you're not able to time those two swallowing and breathing, it can lead to choking. And so usually, I mean, there are hyperventilators who um, experience a lot of choking. Mm. Okay, well, that these are all good to know. So I'm going to call those signs of incorrect breathing. Mm-hmm. How can you describe to us what does, I guess, correct or efficient breathing, mm-hmm. what does that look like? You don't see a thing. <laughs> so it's like, um, yeah, it's very chill, very relaxed, no movement, hardly any movement, none on the shoulders, no movement on the upper chest, maybe barely visible movement in the abdomen. I Because I thought correct breathing would be like your tummy going in and out quite obviously. So that's not right. No, not even. So when you're breathing correctly, which means when I say correctly, it's the right amount, the volume. So it's a very, it's a, it's a small volume and the rhythm would be uh, a good rhythm. How many breaths, how many breaths per, um, sorry, breathing rate is what I meant. Breathing rate, how many breaths per minute. Um, So yes, it's very chill, very relaxed. You look at this person and you go, oh. She's just relaxed. You don't hear the person breathing. So sometimes you can sit beside someone and you could hear them breathing. Um, so, yeah, it, it's hard. Um, it's really hard to visualize because it's not it's not interesting. You don't see anything. You're not supposed to not supposed to see any movement in the chest, no movement in the shoulders, nothing. And so very I'd, love, quiet. I'd love to invite our listeners to think about yourself. Also think about your family members. And Dina, I'd love you to share with me a little bit more detail around one of the, I guess, possibly the one of the more obvious ones, which is the mouth breathing. Mm-hmm. My understanding is it's not great for your teeth because they can end up being really crowded. It's not good for your mental health and stuff. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on why is mouth breathing, breathing, well, not why is it bad? How does mouth breathing affect health? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, a single mouth breath can already activate your sympathetic nervous system. This is the fight or flight. So as soon as, because the brain interprets that as we're in danger. Because the times for a healthy breather, 
the only time that maybe they'd open their mouth is if they're really in intense physical activity, which is running away from danger. They might need to open their mouth. And then, um, and so the brain senses that and thinks you're in danger. And then, of course, it activates your stress response. So that's one thing. Now, prolonged mouth breathing, especially in children, when your mouth is open, then there's no, um, usually the tongue is down as well when that's happening. And therefore, the jaw, um, there's forces in our mouth, like in the tongue, in a right place, pushing your jaw and your teeth outwards. And then your lips are the the force from the outside pushing inwards. That keeps your teeth in place and your jaw nice and wide. When you're a mouth breather, especially as a child and over many years, then that can affect your the growth of your jaw. It narrows your jaw and that now crowds your teeth. And then you have um, the teeth all over the place. Um, requiring uh, requiring braces. So yeah, because of that mouth hanging open. So that's another thing. And then the other, and then the third one is your your oral microbiome, which is the bacteria. The, there's bacteria that's in our mouth, in our gut. You know, the healthy kind that we want. If you're breathing with your mouth open, you're introducing bacteria that's not supposed to be there and in huge amounts because breathing through the mouth you're breathing more in terms of volume than if you're breathing through the nose and and that already starts altering your oral microbiome which then translates to also poor gut microbiome and then there you've got your um, gut issues starting and of course that means it's gum disease if Poor, poor oral microbiome will lead to gum disease, will lead to bad breath and dental caries, you know, um, and things like that. And then, um, and last, and, and the other thing too is because you're breathing a lot through the mouth, you're breathing in more allergens, more bacteria, and more viruses. Now you're introducing that to your body, which normally your body can handle. Right, especially if your body, so the we talk about the terrain. If your body is healthy and, and working very well, it doesn't really matter if you're in if you've if you're exposed to these things, your body can fight them and, and can react to them in a proper manner and keep you healthy. But depending on whether maybe your body's not in the best state, plus add to that, you breathe in a lot of these things through the mouth then your immune system will go, ah, I can't handle that. So then you succumb to illness more often when you're a mouth breather. Um, you have allergies more often. Yeah, then, um, so like in my in my case, my allergies and my asthma, um, as soon as I've learned how to breathe better, I still, I still have it, I'm sure. I mean, you know, you don't, the doctors say that you don't get cured of it. So I don't claim to be cured of it, but um, it, doesn't get triggered because now I'm breathing better and I'm not introducing all the allergens into my body by breathing well. Well, that makes absolute sense the way that you explained it, particularly around the oral microbiome, which I hadn't realized. I knew that there was some relation to mental health and happiness, but I understand because that's related to the gut. Mm -hmm. Um, Question. I thought that maybe people that breathe through their nose, which I think you're meant to do, 
that helps because the hairs in the nose filter things. And therefore, when you're breathing through your mouth, you don't have that filter. Is that the case or no? Yes. Um, I, you know, do you want to go into that filtration thing? That's so amazing. And it might be relevant these days when we're all about trying to avoid getting sick, you know, <laughs> do sure. you want us to go yeah. into that? Yep, well, yep. breathing through the nose, you're going through several layers of filtration. So by the time the air gets to your lungs, it's practically sterile or, you know, to the point where my immune system can take care of it very well. So when you breathe in, first layer first, um, first layer of filtration, uh, the nose hairs, the nose hairs traps the particulates. So allergens, dust, pollen, anything like that. So it gets trapped there. Funny thing is one of my friends just mentioned to me that it's a fad among men now to not only to cut the nose hairs that are sticking out, of course, yes, cut those. It doesn't look nice when it's sticking out. But I think there's this new fad now that they're they're shaving or what do you, they're, they're taking it off totally in even the ones inside. Um, I don't know, Metro, is it the kind of new way of <laughs> yeah, you can probably get a device to trim your nose hair. Yeah, right to, yeah, and not only to trim it, they're trying to remove all of it. And so then you lose that, you lose that filtration. Then next, you as, as the air comes into your nasal passage, the walls are soft and moist. And so the air that can, can you know, it, it will, some of the things that are in the air get stuck on that moist surface and your white blood cells rush in kill and identify whatever bacteria or virus got through and got stuck. And the cool thing is they identify it and then they send a message to your innate immune system saying, watch out, we've killed X bacteria or Y bacteria, and some of them might be coming through, get ready. So now your immune system knows what it's up against and can plan ahead and can start doing that. And then next they've got nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is a very good antibacterial and antiviral that you can only harness when you are nose breathing. The cool thing is, um, I forgot which hospital in the States, during COVID times, they did an experiment, which I really have to find out what happened, but they made the nurses inhale nitric oxide before and after their shift or something like, like that to protect them you know, one part of the protection. So it was an experiment they did. The thing with nitric oxide is you only need very little amount. So it's very hard to know how much you might be taking too much. We don't know. So anyway, but just an aside. Um, so then so they it will kill some of the bacteria and viruses that are still in the air. Then you've got your adenoids. If you are lucky to still have them, that's part of your immune system. It will do its job. Further down the line, you'll still, if you still have your tonsils, they again part of your immune system, then it'll do its job. And then further down the line, as it enters your windpipe, um, the windpipe has the same moist surface that's going through all throughout that airway and you know, sticking, killing and identifying. But in the airway, there's the added feature of small hairs called cilia that always move up. So anything that sticks to the surface will be moved up by that small hairs, the tiny hairs. And as it reaches your throat, you swallow it and whatever bacteria and virus is in there will be killed by the uh, stomach acids. So really um, cool way that your body tries to protect us. You know, our bodies try to protect us and, um, 
if we only use it correctly, then we can harness all of these um, mechanisms that it um, that it has to help protect us. So by the time the air gets down there, it's quite sterile. I agree, and I'm so pleased you mentioned that. I do believe that our bodies are more powerful than we realize or give them credit for. Mm. And a lot of people, I believe, have outsourced uh, their own sovereignty around their wellness in the last few years, particularly. And I'm excited to see people take empowered ownership of their health and wellness again. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing from you is a little bit, if you breathe correctly and specifically through your nose, it's almost like a natural way to boost your immunity. Yes, definitely. Great. Definitely. Um, You can go years without picking up any flu, cold or cough. Um, It's free. (laughs) Yes, yes, definitely. Can you give us, Dina, some some specific tips? I don't know how much you can explain. I know we're only on radio and we can't see you. Mm -hmm. But can you give us a few tips on how our listeners can improve their breathing? And then I'd love to dive into if they did come and see you. What does that look like? Because I know you have some sort of a machine that you use as well. So what tips can you share with us that we can do at home for better breathing? Um, Chronic hyperventilation. I think I mentioned slightly. I kind of referred to it slightly earlier that it starts with stress. And when I say stress, it can be physical stress, accidents and things like that. It can be um, chemical stress, anything you put on your body um, or into your body. And that your body needs to detoxify from because stress is when your body's trying to to regain its balance and its health, right? So physical, chemical stress, and and of course mental, emotional stress, which we that's the common stress that we know. Um, so stress is the cause or or the trigger for chronic hyperventilation, right? And then we do we our, our breathing adjusts because of the stress, and then if the stress is prolonged or intense enough it gets stuck there. Our breathing doesn't go down back to baseline to where it was before naturally. So now that it's stuck um, because of stress, now that it's now it's stuck because of stress. So I always recommend the very, very first thing that we need to do is to relearn how to relax, not even to breathe yet. We're not, we're starting from the very basic. We're not even thinking of our breathing yet is number one, you need to relax. You won't be able to breathe well if you are not relaxed. So first thing is make sure you schedule in your time relaxation time. And this is relaxation that doesn't increase your heart rate. Some people say, I like relaxing with uh, walking, you know, by walking. Yes, that could. that's a good thing, but don't use that as this kind of relaxation because walking would increase your heart rate. It needs to be something that keeps your heart rate low, like listening to music, even five minutes a day. It's very important that we give ourselves that self-care time. 20 minutes is ideal. Five minutes is the minimum, but you need to schedule it every day because your system needs to relax. And once your system relaxes, automatically your breathing calms down as well. It may not come calm down to the point where it's healthy, maybe not yet, but at least it comes down, you know, much calmer than it was when you were moving around and running around uh, doing life things. Okay. So what I'm I'm just making a note to myself and I'm highlighting it to our our lovely listeners is that they can put in their calendar um, 
RT, which is like relaxed time, scheduling mm-hmm. five minutes a day um, to do that for yourself. And even that is a building block towards better breathing. Yes, yes. And, and then on days when you have more time, increase it to 20 or an hour doing stuff that you enjoy. Make sure it's something you enjoy. Okay. Um, and the number two is... Um, Check in on your mouth. So I say check in. I'm, I don't want you to obsess. Because when you start obsessing about your breathing, you're going to use your thinking brain. Our breathing is regulated by the automatic brain. Okay, it's in the brainstem. Um, and we should keep it there. But once we start obsessing about our breathing, then the, the thinking brain takes over. Yeah. Um, and we don't want that. Because the, the thinking brain is not the boss of your breathing, and it will cause more dysfunction if that happens. So just an awareness. Check in whenever you're working on the computer or um, reading a book, watching TV. Does anybody do that? <laughs> Still, maybe watching on your you know, Netflix or uh, videos. Check in on your mouth. Is it hanging open? And then if you notice it is, then just shut it, you know close it and then continue with whatever it is you're doing. So just checking in every so often is my mouth because usually mouth breathing happens either when you're concentrating or when you're moving. So that's the other time when you need to check in, you start walking or you're doing house chores or, you know, check with, check your mouth close whenever it's open. So that's, so what I'm giving is basic ones. So this will not get you where you want to be if there's something wrong with your breathing, but this is basic things that you can start with. Um, And the third is avoid taking conscious big breaths because healthy breathing is not big breathing. The biggest um, misconception these days is that they have equated deep, the word deep, to big. So yeah. they made them synonyms, but they're not really synonyms because remember, deep is talking about depth, shallow and deep. So shallow breathing is using your upper chest, your upper chest is moving, your shoulders are moving. Deep is down below. So the movement that we see is in, in the belly, right? Um, so that's the depth. Big is talking about size. So big and small is talking about size. So clearly these two words refer to different concepts. So they're not synonyms. And ideal breathing is actually deep, yet small, right? But again, don't make your body breathe deep and small because when you make your body do that, you're using your thinking brain. Your your thinking brain is giving directions to your body. What needs to happen is through relaxation, your body finds its way naturally to doing that. Um, yeah, so and and if ever uh, the the severity, you know, moderate to severe hyperventilation, those those with moderate to severe hyperventilation might need help doing that. But yeah, so that's the next level. And so don't worry about the times when you unconsciously take a big breath because you can't do anything about that yet. That comes much later on. But consciously, so when when is the conscious one? So. Say you're following uh, an exercise class and then the 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 trainer says, take two deep breaths and then everybody in class goes. <gasps> and you're going to be countercultural. You're going to sit quietly or stand quietly where you are 
with your mouth closed, breathing in and out through your nose, very calmly and gently, no sound. So that is what I mean by avoid taking conscious big breaths. I love that. We actually have a sh- um, a show on Reality Check Radio called Counterculture. So Absolutely. Let's do that. That's funny. Um, it just glitched out for a second. Yes. So um, one of the things that I don't know if it was you that recommended it, because you and I have been friends for six or seven years now, is I'm going to call it the dinner table test, you guys. And this is something I haven't done, but I want to do it at my dinner table after dinner, once we finish eating, is to get everyone to put a piece of tape over their mouth. And by that, I mean vertically, not like right across their mouth, but just vertically. So it keeps the lips together under their nose Mm -hmm. and then just see who can sit there relaxed for, you know, a minute or more. And what that will do, I believe, is to reveal the mouth breathers at the table. <laughs> and um, I keep saying how I've got two of them. Um, but yeah, so I've, I'm going to call it the dinner table test. Obviously, after you finish eating, when you're sitting around chatting, it's like, let's just do this little test and see if see who can sit here for a minute or more um, and still breathing. So they're not holding their breath, but the mouth breathers probably will be because they're so not used to breathing through their nose. Mm. Um, y- yeah, or mouth taping or or you could use um you know a small piece of cardboard or paper mm-hmm. make them put them in their between their lips hold it so that yeah hold it there and of course if they open their mouth that falls down that could be I another like thing too because you you'd like that they'll be able to do that for a long time and if they can't then um then that means they're mouth breathers one this is the thing that you mentioned the tape And um, I just want to caution people (laughs) because there have been books and there have been videos on on, um, mouth taping and a lot of posts on mouth taping as well. Um, I just want to caution people because mouth taping is a tool that should be used alongside breathing retraining. When we say breathing retraining is training your breathing to become, uh, to to get to the, the, the relaxed, calm and gentle state. So you're trying to get your minute volume, breathing volume down and and, um, your breathing rate down as well. Now, if people don't do that and only mouth tape because they they read it in a book that it's good to mouth tape at night, what's happening is they're they're still hyperventilating because they haven't fixed their breathing, right? So by taping their mouth, they're just rerouting their breathing from mouth to nose but their breathing volume and breathing rate is still the same, very high. So that large volume of air going into your nose can dry up your mucosa, make your um, capillaries and the nasal area quite brittle and may cause um, nosebleeds. Um, And then the irritation of large volumes of air coming into that nasal passage um, over time may trigger may cause nasal polyps to come up because of the irritation and um, long term for the yeah it may also result in 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 longer term if they continue doing that without fixing their breathing it may cause pulmonary hypertension so just a caution caution for those people but i know what you're trying what you were explaining earlier uh, was just a test and that's fine if you wanted to if you did that that's fine but i'm just warning uh, those who have heard about mouth taping and if they do it that way without fixing their breathing those are possible things that can happen it's so great that you highlight the importance of pairing that with 
the retraining. And that's something I'd love you to touch on in a moment. I'm going to ask you what's coming up and how can people connect with you? So maybe in that section, you can just briefly let us know what would, what does retraining look like and how would that look like if we were to do it with you? But I'm going to go to the four questions I ask every guest. Okay. And uh, so the first one is Dina in what is one thing that you've done in the past year where you've done, achieved, or navigated through, where you've truly upped your brave. And I'll just get you to turn off your video so that we make sure the internet quality stays with us. Yes. How have you upped your brave in the last year? Um, up my brave. Well, um, I, ah, uh, my, um, my Facebook page was was um, hacked somehow I don't know how I had all the two-step things and all that and so that discouraged me a little bit and so I kind of slowed down um in terms of doing things because I was also trying to figure out what to do next you know do I open a new page do I do this and do that um and so then recently I was invited to give a talk in this um teachers conference in the west and yeah, because of the dragging my feet and, you know, feeling down and all that, it was a big deal for me to, to accept that, to accept that invitation and, and to go in front of teachers and, and talk to them about breathing because teachers really the, uh, are more prone to, to poor breathing habits because they talk all the time. Right. So yes, that, that was normally speaking is not difficult for me I I would speak in front of people but I think in the state I was in there it's like what do I do next you know I it took a lot but I was happy that I did it it was um yeah you know whenever you feel you need to overcome that sluggishness and that um resistance to to doing things um yeah but Definitely. I was happy. I mean, that especially I was. though, for me, I'm just going to chime in, especially if it's something that you actually want to do, because as my audience may know, I'm not a believer in guilt or shame or shoulds. So as long as it's something you wanted to do, sometimes oh, you yes. up your brave. So the second question is bucket list. What is one thing on your bucket list, which is something you would love to do, be or experience in your lifetime that the up your brave RCR community can possibly help you with? You know, I'd love to be able to work with um, uh, high-end athletes, elite athletes, the ones who who want to be able to, you know, reach the peak performance. Because that's one of the things that good breathing can um, can do for people. Is it's not only helping you with the negative things like if you're sick and things like that, but they can help you improve your performance um your endurance and your 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 speed and, and things like that so i would love to be able to um help um a team you know Amazing. okay well that. that's that's an invitation for anybody listening if you are an athlete or you know one i know you've worked with athletes before and mm -hmm. this is an area that you love doing so get in touch with dina speaking of which how can people connect with you and what have you got coming up um, I think the simplest way, um, without having to give too many links and all, is um, to go through, via my website. It's www.thebreatheclinic.com. And, of course, if there's a contact me there, you can also find a download, a free ebook called um, The uh, Three Tips to Breathing Better. And then also the... Um, the the invitation the link 
to sign up for my next free webinar, which will be in June, I think in the 24th of June. It's Breathe Better, uh, Breathe Better for Health and Peak Performance. So, yeah, so if you go to the website, you'll see all those and um, and 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 sign up for whichever one you want or both. I'd Amazing. love it. Okay, love so we've got the free it. webinar. And then, as you mentioned earlier on in the interview, that you work with people online and possibly in person in Auckland. Yes. Um, and they can find out more about that on the website as well. They can. So in services. So this different if if you're if you've already noticed that, oh, I think I'm a breathe uh, I'm a chronic hyperventilator or that I do need help, then um, the usual first step that I recommend is to book a breathing assessment and personalized workshop with me. It's a one hour. It's a one hour consultation where I do an, an assessment of your breathing. If you're in Auckland, we can do this capnography that you were mentioning earlier. And that it's a machine that will give you in real time your breathing pattern, your CO2 levels. Um, it's, a, it's, it's really cool to watch and see what your breathing is doing in real time. So biofeedback. Um, but you can also, for those online, um, we can do a clinical observation assessment and I can do that for you. Um, so that's the usual first step. But some people would say, I'm not really sure if breathing can help me in my condition. I'd like to know more. If they hesitate to um, to commit to a breathing assessment, there is a, an option for a breathe free breathing insight call, which is a 15, 15 minute call just to uh, you know, meet and greet, get to know me, get to know about the, the um, get to know about the method, and also for me to get to know your needs and what you'd like help in. So I, that's that's a good first step for those who are not hundred percent sure that it's something that can help them. Thank you so much, Dina. Well, the breathing insight call sounds great, and I'm imagining that you provided a, a lot of breathing insight for people today during our interview. I wanted to say a huge thank you to you for coming on the show. You're welcome. I've enjoyed it. Uh, my pleasure to be here. So, so good. Thank you so much to everyone listening. And thank you so much to Dina Siniza on Breathing for Better Health. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, Ned. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio.